BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. Today, we are joined by the ultimate multi-hyphenate, Julie Schott, who takes the word multi-hyphenate to a whole new level as the founder of four incredible brands, Starface, FutureWise, Julie, and Plus. With each brand, she sets out to disrupt the beauty industry, from advocating for sustainable packaging to normalizing acne and contraceptive rights. Julie's brands have become cult favorites for Gen Z and sold across the U.S. in Walmart, Revolve, and so many more. In today's episode, Julie gives us a glimpse into her creative world and how she brings her new ideas to life. We also talk about the keys to growth, customer engagement, and democratizing beauty for all. I hope you guys love today's episode. If you haven't followed the show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you follow us, rate, and leave a review to receive notifications for new episodes every Monday. Thanks for tuning in and have an amazing week ahead, everyone. Here's my friend, Julie Schott. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Truly, you are the epitome of a friend of a friend because I feel like from the day I started in fashion, you were always friends with someone I was friends with and we always just kind of orbited but never actually met. Yeah, well, I think we have a lot of people in common. Well, you were cool. at, yeah, you were at Elle and I feel like I have so many like Nikki and Danielle and I just feel like we've always just crossed paths but never actually got to hang out. So I'm excited now we're here. to you. I know. <laughs> and I'm also just such a huge fan of yours. I mean, I got my start in fashion on the brand side too. I was working at Glossier. I was working at a company called Spring. I love building brands and I love just like thinking big picture. And you are someone who I think does that obviously so well. So I'm just really excited to have you on and chat and hear about all the incredible things that you're doing. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I've listened to many episodes and learned a lot. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. You have obviously an incredible history in beauty and fashion. You're a magazine editor and now you have four incredible brands. With people who are in beauty, To me, I always love hearing about these early beginnings for them of where that sparked because I feel like so much of what I love about beauty today happened, you know, maybe in my mom's bathroom are things that I keep with me today. I'd love to hear about your beginnings with beauty and what kind of sparked your love for it. Yeah. So I kind of started out in beauty by accident. And I hear this from a lot of people because for a long time it was it was like fashion's stepsister that didn't get as many magazine pages, didn't get as much love. Uh, And it's changed so much over, especially over the past decade. But I grew up super obsessed with print magazines and collecting them and reading them and 
reading them cover to cover. And I, I went to school in New York for college. I went to art school and was always trying to get an internship. And there were these like lo-fi websites where people like would- Like Ed 2010. Ed 2010. Oh my God. Those <laughs> things saved my life. I, you know what's interesting? Today, they don't have that anymore. I don't There's know how you would get- I guess you would DM somebody. Which is so, I feel like fragmented. Like yeah. Ed 2010, someone listening, like if you want a business idea, like re-bring back Ed 2010. Oh yeah. Because like revive Ed 2010 because that's where I got all my jobs. It was amazing. And yeah. now I feel like Fashionista does a lot of- job posting. Oh, they do. You guys yeah. are looking for jobs. Fashionista has a lot of great ones. But but I ultimately ended up at L Accessories, which is like this offshoot of L and found my way to L, the print magazine and wanted to work in the fashion closet because this was the time of the reality shows around magazines, yes. like the city, the hills. There was even when they were shooting at L at the time. Anyway, I could not get a job in the fashion closet. There were too many people who wanted it. I remember one day Emily Doherty, the beauty editor, needed help. And I just never left. I like sat in this beauty closet for a year typing up the credits and things. And it was a really cool kind of like backdoor style education into how magazines work. And I just fell in love with it. it. It felt more accessible than the clothes for me. You know, if you can't afford a Gucci dress, you still might be able to get a Gucci lipstick. Actually, that product line didn't exist at the time. But yeah, it was awesome. It was cool. It opened a lot of doors. And that was kind of how I started. I love that. I too had a really similar experience with you. I got bit by the editorial bug, like moved to New York, wanted a job in fashion so badly, mm -hmm. found my way to the Teen Vogue closet because obviously the Hills was deeply <laughs> impactful for me. I was like living my New York City dream. And it is really just the best crash course into whatever industry you want to be in because they make you do everything. I don't even remember what year it was, but I remember my boss had lost her assistant and she told me to go do the backstage reporting at whatever shows she had tickets to. Cause like you get to that point, you're like, I don't want to go. It's like a Sunday, it's cold. And I went to all of them and thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And yeah, and just kept doing it. I think it's a really important lesson what you're saying, which is that like, if there's an opportunity in front of you that someone else isn't doing, like run and take it. That's really to me, the sign of like the best intern ever. And I feel like all the things that I did in my internship, I would just like, if someone couldn't make it, I was taking the seat. If someone like couldn't do the story, I was doing it. Like, I think having that spirit of getting something done like in any and every way is the way that you continue to build a successful career in fashion, beauty, because people, you become indispensable. It's so cool and there's so much access. It looks very glamorous, but yeah, I, I did get burnt out on it and that's why I stepped away in 2018. And this was while you were the beauty editor at Elle. Yeah, I, I had the job that I had wanted since I was a teenager. Wow. Finally got that job did it for a couple of years and I started to feel kind of disillusioned with certain things about the beauty industry and just left without without planning correctly. I was just done. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you just no roadmap. No, I didn't. I did not. I knew I needed to make money somehow. So it was when the kind of, you know, brand deals were starting to be available. So I picked up like one contract and it was like for a gummy vitamin or something. And I was really bad at it. <laughs> I lost the contract like two months later. I was like, no. And I moved to L.A. Like right when I quit my job, I moved to L.A. and just was piecing stuff together just to, like make an income. I was living with my boyfriend at the time. And yeah, I thought I thought, oh, maybe I've made a big mistake. I really wanted to build what became Starface, but I didn't have any entrepreneurial experience. And there were a lot of like really cool, smart women who had done it, who I had become, you know, friendly with through working as an editor. but. 
I think I got a lot of feedback around like, don't do it or it's not a good idea. And so you kind of have to have some conviction if you're changing direction, because I think the world around you will encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. I'll never forget. I was at a dinner for Earth Day and Aurora James was speaking and she was talking about the 15 percent pledge. And she said that if she had called all of her friends the night before she decided to launch it and told them her idea, it would have never launched. God, that's so true. She was like, I kept it so close to my chest. I had so much conviction and belief in what I was doing. I felt no need to run it by my friends. I knew that they would get in my head and say, how are you going to do this? Like, this feels impossible. Like, and tell her all the things that she couldn't do versus the things she could do. And she really, she went for it. She didn't let all the external noise kind of ruin that for her. Such good advice. I think sometimes when you crowdsource a decision, yeah, you're going to talk yourself out of it. Yep, Your vision is kind of going to get muddied. So I totally agree with that. But wait, we have to go back to this like really incredible phase in your life because I feel like something that I get asked all the time as someone who was working kind of in corporate fashion and then moved on to work for myself, I always get asked, like, what do you do in that in-between period? Like, how did yeah. you make it work? How did you make it work? Yeah, I pieced together freelance jobs. So I picked up like whatever I knew could kind of recreate that salary income. And, you know, some of those jobs were not like cool or desirable. Were you just like blind DMing, blind emailing? Like, were you pitching yourself? I was like running certain brand social media accounts okay. on contract, doing a little bit of, you know, spontent, was not great at that, was still freelance writing. You know, that doesn't pay well. So really just like piecing it together. So when did the idea for Starface come about? When I left that job, I had it in my mind. I want to make this. And I was, I cannot underestimate how much I did not know how to build a business at that time and spent a year knocking on doors that were not opening, sharing this idea, getting discouraged. And about a year later, one of my closest friends, Rachel, introduced me to this guy, she was like, I'm dating this guy. He is like really smart in the entrepreneurial space. He knows startups. And I was like, I don't want to meet this guy. You just started dating. (laughs) But I did. And it turned out to be Brian, my now business partner of like four years. Okay. And they got married a little while after and I married them. So it all worked out. And he just got it. He was excited about it. He got it. I had a good feeling about him. We are two different sides of the brain. And there was something just really fortuitous and intangible about the way that we understand each other. And we just started building it. I think it's so important with a business partner, yin and yang. You guys can't have the same skill sets. No. I feel like so many people want to start brands with their best friends. And like you and your best friend are inherently probably really similar. You have to find someone who brings an entirely different skill set and brain to the table. Oh, absolutely. Because I had that instinct too of, oh, wouldn't it be fun to, you know, yeah, do it with my best friend? No. Mm -mm. No. Because you're going to step on each other's toes. I mean, I respect people. You know, you see married couples who have businesses together. I think it's really cool. But yeah, this just really works being pretty opposite. We'll be right back after a quick break. For all my Saqqara lovers, I have a code for you. Because as you guys know, I am just the biggest fan. As someone who's constantly on the go, constantly traveling, it's really hard for me to maintain a routine. Which is why when I'm home, I rely on Saqqara to keep me healthy, active, and glowing. If you haven't heard of Saqqara, Saqqara delivers ready-to-eat, plant-rich meals that help you look and feel your best, even during those weeks of back-to-back meetings and happy hours. You can manage weight, ease bloat, and keep energy levels high with science-backed, 
nutritionally designed meals that will have you actually looking forward to eating. Seriously, they are all so delicious. I've been such a fan for years. Their breakfast, lunch, and dinners are so carefully curated and taste incredible. I'm also a really big fan of their detox water and beauty drops. I add them both to my water every morning and I've been noticing a major, major, major difference in my hair and in my skin and my digestion. It's just such an easy way to keep my routine healthy every day and just check in with myself on a daily basis. Sakara delivers science-backed, plant-rich nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. Their ready-to-eat meals are nutritionally designed to deliver results from weight management and ease bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. And right now, Sakara is offering you guys 20% off your first order when you go to sakara.com slash friend or enter the code friend at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash friend to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash friend. Enjoy. Something that's so fascinating, just everything we've talked about now from kind of being an old school, I can't believe I'm calling it old school, but like the long old, time ago now, <laughs> the older beauty fashion world where editorial was booming and it was the thing that you and I strived for. It was literally what we wanted from our teen years. And then we ended up working in that world to now launching a brand that I think completely defies everything that you and I grew up with understanding of beauty, which is that you have to have perfect skin. You have to be a size zero. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have all these specific features. Like you and I, I think growing up, we're fed with a very, very specific ideology of beauty to now, you know, seeing you here with a star face patch on you <laughs> and seeing it so widely accepted and beloved is so interesting. I, I couldn't imagine being a teenager when I was and walking out the door of my house with a pimple patch on. Today, they're in my car. Yeah. Like they are everywhere I go. Talk to me a little bit about that experience and journey of, you know, being raised and working in a world that you've now completely defied. Yeah, the early aughts are really fun to relive, but they were pretty bad for women. Yes, Um, absolutely. Yeah, it was a super monolith time for, like you said, for for beauty standards. And I had a tough time as a teenager. That was not, not a time that I necessarily remember in a positive way, but that informs a lot of what we build because I hope it can be different for this generation and I think this generation is so cool and completely different than than we were this next generation and so when we set out to build Starface it was just what I wished existed in the world I did feel burnt out on on the beauty writing and the pushing those standards it dealt a lot with cosmetic dermatology and plastic surgery in my work and kind of like the intersection of that and pop culture and I don't know I mean (laughs) that's a lot to internalize in your 20s when you're still changing and and growing up and trying to find self-acceptance. But in thinking about sort of this acne experience, the fact that it affects 95% of people and it's so normal, but all that you would see is like these before and afters. Like I grew up with the before and after, you know, infomercials and you're like, I'm so ugly until I have clear skin. And it's just why? That's just marketing. Like, that's just not true. So to see the customer reviews and get the DMs that say, like, thank you. I've, I've found, like, my confidence and my comfort in my skin and in myself. And or, or to hear parents say, I'm really happy that I have this for my kid. I wish I'd had it when I was growing up. It's like, oh, cool. Like, this is what we wanted to see in the world is for growing up to be a little easier in that way. Because, you know, you remember what it feels like to have a pimple and not want to go to class or not want to go to you know, even like prom or something important to you. It's like, 
when your skin is distracting you, it's hard to kind of show up as your full self that you want to be. I love to see baristas wearing patches because it's like yes, interface with so many people. Yeah. It's so stressful. And so to be able to go to work and just feel comfortable and then also, you know, you're receiving compliments or maybe you're starting a conversation. I do wish that we'd grown up in a different time, <laughs> but it, but it's, it makes it better to see this generation kind of undoing that. It's interesting hearing you talk about building this brand that is so fun and so cute and very joyful, but also effective at the same time. And something I love about Starface and all your other brands, which we'll, of course, get into, is that I feel like you have to be so in touch with your younger self. And I think especially like your teenage years, like that's not something a lot of people want to reflect on. Like, I don't know how I would feel starting a business that was for my 15 year old self in like the halls of my high school. For you, you feel so in touch with that. What has been most helpful in navigating that and bringing it to the forefront of your business? Yeah, I love that question. I'm just fascinated by that time in a person's life. I think it's really defining and I'm nostalgic for it, even though it was bad, (laughs) you know, and so is our creative director, Christine at Starface. We're always sharing references of, you know, teen movies that we grew up with or music videos or it's a time that's that is so rich with references. And I'm also very much, you know, a Hello Kitty adult and I love cartoons and spend a lot of time online. So I think a lot of it is just being the customer. I am still the customer in every way. Like when we're making new things, I think if it doesn't resonate with me, the larger team, it's not worth putting out, you know? So I think regardless of it being youthful, if you can be the customer, then that's kind of the starting point for me. I love the branding of Starface. It is so fun. The tone, the overall visuals, it feels, I think it's a brand that's really defied age in a way. Because as you're saying, you can see a barista wearing it and then you have teenagers wearing it to school and then you have like Justin Bieber wearing it on the street. It really is something that has attracted so many people and made a difference in so many people's lives. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your process in creating the branding of this brand that has obviously like you see it all over Instagram and it's just attracted so many people. Yeah, thank you. When we were setting out to build this, it was a very founder driven time. And the founders were almost like fictional characters that represented each brand. And you kind of would like choose your fighter like on that type of you know person and identify with their lifestyle. I'm pretty like shy and private when all is said and done. Like I used to share a lot more on the Internet. I don't anymore. And I didn't want to make something around like myself or even reality. Wanted to create a fictional universe. We wanted to build something like fictional and fantasy and not something to project yourself onto and be like, I don't have as much money as her. I don't look like her. And Big Yellow is this character. That's the name of the face that you see on the compact. And when we first started the Instagram account, when we first launched, the posts were just big yellow, the cube with like a thought or something. I remember like a that. Phrase. Yeah. And we did that for months. And when I look back on even today, our most saved or most shared posts, they're always the big yellow posts. Wow. Even though we post like amazing, cool people and doing all these different looks, it's always big yellow is the most because it's relatable. And then if you look at the at the tag posts, it's all people, you know, feeling good about themselves. Like, you should feel so good about yourself to take a picture of your face. Now I realize that I don't share as much. I'm like, wow, you're that's amazing. Yeah, but yeah. that's how you want to feel. Like, I yeah. want people to feel that way. So, yeah, just creating this fictional character. And now he has a pet chicken named Chicken. And <laughs> it's fun. 
I love hearing you say this because I feel like it's the polar opposite of everything. I think we kind of see in beauty sometimes, which is like chic packaging. Like, you know, <laughs> I think of like all the perfume ads that I see that are like low, sexy voices. Yeah. And like beautiful women coming out of water and all this stuff. And it's interesting how like sex really does sell with beauty, but so does cute fun. And both of them can be effective. Did you have a little bit of a hurdle building a brand that was like, quote unquote, cute and fun? And then also selling the fact that like, you know, these also work. Well, I love that you said that because like we all want to be that girl sometimes. Like I think in my 20s, I so wanted to be that girl. I'm like, I'm not, you know, and I think that's who we make things for is that kid who's like, you know, not so put together, um, funny, who's not so serious. And when I think about like who we would be at the mall, like I think we would be Hot Topic and not Victoria's Secret or whatever. I love the sexiness and a lot of like what I'm seeing in in new product launches. But yeah, our customers like like they are like 15 years old at times. Like so we don't can't really go there and like shouldn't really go there. So you have four brands, which is unbelievable and something that I truly admire and really look up to you for because building brands to me, again, is so fun. Like you're building worlds, you're building universes for people to escape in and enjoy. And so you have Starface, Julie, Futurewise, and Plus, which I love. I have Plus in my shower. Thank you. (laughs) Having started all these brands, what do you do first when you have an idea? Like you're like, okay, I have this idea for Julie. What's the first thing you do? Yeah, that's such a good question. So Brian, my business partner, and I work together across all of these. And on some of them, we have other co-founders as well who are amazing. Julie, for example, that was the result of Brian calling me and saying, would you ever do an emergency contraceptive? And immediately I said, yes. I was like, of course. Yes. Like we knew that up to 50 percent of pregnancies in the U.S. are mistimed or unplanned or unwanted. And that just doesn't feel right when we have options. And I think you know, emergency contraception has been available over the counter for a long time, but the user doesn't know how it works. Like categorically, they don't know. We did focus groups. People don't know how it works. And still like every day when I take a Julie call with someone, whether it's like a retailer or, you know, talent or whatever, people think it's an abortion and it's not because people ask me all the time, is this available in all 50 states now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned? Yes, it is. So it's our job and our mission to education and access. That's it with this one. For people listening who haven't seen Julie yet because it is relatively new, can you share? Oh yeah, I really the just brand jumped is? the gun on no, that No, no, it's great. Julie currently is a human healthcare company that provides emergency contraception. We're sold at Walmart and we also have a one-for-one donation program. So the goal is to be the largest donor of emergency contraception in the U.S. We'll see if we can get there because, you know, this is not necessarily the most accessible drug from a cost standpoint, especially if you think about, you know, let's say your nearest Walmart is like 30 minutes away. Maybe you have to get childcare. It's a whole thing. So the one for one donation program was super integral to building this. And then, you know, the rest is just access and education and helping people understand safety, usage, where to buy it, how many hours they have. Like, it seems really boilerplate, really simple, but been around for a while and people really don't know what it does. So how does this compare? I'm just getting down to like the nitty gritty here. How does this compare to like a plan B? So they're both levongestrol, same drug. Okay, same thing. Yeah. But I feel like doing what you did with Starface, which is that you're removing that stigma around walking up to the counter and asking for a plan B. That's the goal. I think it's really interesting that when you think about all the 
morning after pill scenes from movies. And I love when it shows up in movies, but it's always so embarrassing. I remember the scene in Not Okay, which you know, you had Zoe oh, on the yes. podcast. I loved that. And she's like, it's she's out on a bender oh, at night and so she like good. walks in to get a plan B at like three in the morning. Yeah, which cool. That is there are many users like that. That's great. We love to see that in pop culture. But it's also like the mom who already has two kids and is like, not today. Moms are a huge, huge use case. And then, you know, it's also good to just have it on hand. So it's not that run to the to the pharmacy or to the Walmart. Why did you name it Julie? Yeah. I love that you named it okay, Julie yeah. personally. <laughs> we knew we knew we wanted to give it a human name. Yeah. Um, we submitted like 25 names to the trademark lawyers and they were all taken because this shares a trademark category with sex toys. And oh. they all have wonderful names like Daisy and Lily and really like beautiful flowers and things, which I was really going for. And then one day Brian said, what if we just name it Julie? And I was like, I mean, go for it, submit it. And we got it. I think it's wild that it's in the same category as sex toys. Yeah. I think it just says a lot about the way that we as a society view an oral contraceptive. It does. Super wild that it's in that category and not in a healthcare category. Yeah, it should. It should be. I agree with you. Yeah. So we named it Julie and Julie is a name that if you grew up in the Midwest or like really any part of America, you probably know a Julie. That's where I was born. But my parents are very, they feel very Midwestern to me. And when I asked them why they named me Julie, they're like, it's unpretentious. I love that. I was like, oh, okay. Not, not the adjective I would go for when naming a child, but thank you. Brought up the trademark thing. That's the first thing I do when I have a company idea. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like go on most fun. Go on GoDaddy. I'm like <laughs> trying to get the domain. I'm like sending it in. If you're listening and you are trying to start a company, get into that immediately because it is like so the yeah. worst thing that you can do is start a brand and you're like married to the name and the brand identity and then it's taken and it's like the most gut wrenching thing ever. Oh, it's terrible. So yeah, go to USPTO.gov, I think. And you can do like a really basic search before you take it to a lawyer and spend a bunch of money. Yeah. How do you do this all? Because I feel like a normal person would be able to like run Starface and that would be their full time thing. But you run four companies that, again, are major like game changers for the industry. Like Clean is making so many incredible strides in sustainability. Julie with oral contraceptives, Starface with, you know, normalizing acne. How do you do it all? Yeah. So I think, first of all, definitely not a one man show at this point. When we started Starface, we were four people. And now across all brands, we're 70 people. And so having amazing co-founders on FutureWise, on Julie and and those individuals really driving that business in a dedicated way and not dividing their time. And then also one thing that I have found that really helps is putting some type of structure in the beginning of your day, because you know that chaos when you just don't know what's coming and you have to be in a million places. If you just have one thing that is the same like it feels, especially with a puppy, it feels a little better. Um, Julie just got an Australian Shepherd. So you guys know I'm freaking out. Possum is her name. Yeah. She's so cute. She looks like a little possum. Tiny, crazy possum. But yeah, I, th- I think I try to maybe start and end my day in some sort of consistent way. So I lift weights three times a week. And that's like my favorite thing to do to feel, I don't know, like I know what's going on. Human. Yeah. Human. Alive. Yeah. <laughs> You've built four incredible companies now that have all obviously are doing so well. In today's world, and this is so interesting to me because you come from the editorial world that you probably bring so much expertise into with growing companies and selling product and engaging with customers and building beautiful content. What in today's world do you think is the best way to grow? Oh, that's such a good question. I think we approach growth always with a nucleus of accessibility. So how do you reach as many people as possible? 
And when we were starting out, D2C was king and retail was kind of out of style. And we knew we wanted to go into retail and be at mass retail and like be where you buy toilet paper and condoms, like be where you make like the regular purchases, because that's where most of the country is, is, you know, doing their shopping. I didn't want to do luxury. I didn't feel like the luxury retailers necessarily understood what we were trying to do. And so like finding a home at like the Targets, the CVSs and the Walmarts of, you know, the U.S. retail market was where it was at in terms of growth for us. And the customer wants that speed now, like they expect and we're on Amazon, too. So like they expect that speed. And, you know, I think D2C is wonderful. It's like a great place to create an experience and a relationship with a customer. But pimples are everywhere. So we may as well be. And so is contraception or the need for contraception. So we may as well be where where the user lives. The Amazon thing is obviously if you can buy direct from a brand, buy direct from a brand. But I feel like I cannot count on my hands how many times a week I share with a friend a brand and they're like, okay, are they on Amazon? (laughs) <laughs> really and I'm just like because <sighs> they want it today or tomorrow I know we it's just, hard to keep up with but they said well that's a whole other conversation right we're on Amazon it's it, you know it's been it's been good for the business and there's a lot of reasons why people shop there especially if the item that they're looking for is time sensitive it's a wild beast honestly to be able to need that every day it's tough on brands but I do think it's really important today to take part in that instant satisfaction I hope it's not something that lasts for a long time because I think it's not healthy for like our brains and our psyche and obviously for the environment. But I do think being in that world is vital. Mm -hmm. And the cycle, like you said, it's always shifting. It's like, you know, when the pace bubble kind of bursts, like, will we go back to shopping in person and discovery? And it's the same way that when I talk to like a 25 year old, they're wanting to make a zine instead of build an Instagram account. Right which I'm like, cool, do it. And you also just launched FutureWise. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about it. I mean, all these brands. I'm like, tell us about this one. Tell us about this one. Yeah. So FutureWise, we launched D2C last month. It is a system around slugging and slugging for a lot of different reasons. When we were thinking about building FutureWise, it was kind of this look into what's next in a person's life, maybe after like the star face, self-expression, acne prone, which, you know, could last a lifetime but we were just kind of inspired by that time in your life kind of like 25 or 26 where things are shifting a little bit and I don't know there's a lot of people that age in my life that I am really kind of inspired by the way they approach their life there's kind of an emphasis on like slowing down and figuring out what makes them authentically happy which is sort of the opposite of the career grind that I grew up in at that age and so this slug character that we created because we love creating characters is, you know, slow and cute and, you know, moving at their own pace. And then, you know, even this system is like just really tactical. And there's a mist, which I'm obsessed with, which I missed all day and a moisturizer and then a slug balm, which is an occlusive. And all of these items play really well with anyone's existing skincare collection, which I think is super important at this point. Like you said, it's there's so much now. There's so much to choose from. I always think if we're going to bring something to the market, it needs to be additive to this person's life, to their routine. And so it's been really cool to build this world with my co-founder, Sarah and and Janet and also Brian. But Sarah built out this whole world of like nature and a terrarium and like humans sitting on mushrooms and it's pretty psychedelic. But yeah, so very exciting because we launched in Target on February 15th. And so it's very cool to see it on shelf. And yeah, we're excited to to kind of bring it to a larger audience that way. That's awesome. Congratulations Thank on Target. You. So where can we find all the brands? Okay. 
So <laughs> Starface is in a lot of retailers where it's CVS, Target, Walmart, Amazon, we're on like Revolve now. Yes, I saw it the other day. Yeah, in, yeah. in the UK, we are at Superdrug and Boots, which is really cool. And so pretty much everywhere. And then for Julie, we are Walmart exclusive right now, all over the US in every state. The morning after pill is available in every state. Important to restate that. And then FutureWise is exclusively at Target. Plus is available on the Clean With Plus website and it should be at, online at Target as well. Thank you so much for coming on today. This is so fun. I've, I'm seriously such an admirer of yours and I love all of the brands that you've built. I'm so happy that we got to hear a lot about the behind the scenes of building them. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Bs. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.